I'm going to turn this on. There we go. Don't you love stories about Christmas? And about walking with Jesus. Pat, thank you so much. We want to hear more of the in between the trip, you know, what happened and everything else. Um, you know, this is a very powerful season of the year. I was reminded this Wednesday night, we went Christmas caroling at Rex Hospital. and Maybe it was a situation that we were in the hospital. Maybe it was because we were so close to Christmas. But everyone who received us there was very honest uh, and open about themselves and the reality that they faced. Uh, sickness, heart, appendage issues, blood circulation, all sorts of disease, that sort of thing. They were very honest about the... Those who received us were very honest about the situation they faced. They wanted us to come in to their room. They wanted us to sing. They, they allowed us to pray with them. They smiled. They were, were encouraged as we were there. Um, but others turned us away. Had nothing to do with us. They did not want us to come stand at the door and to sing. They did not want us to come pray in their room. And you just think, okay, so, okay, what's the difference? They, had, they wanted nothing to do with, with God's presence. They wanted nothing to do with receiving God's promise. There they were in the hospital at Christmas saying, no, don't stop at our door. Because we had a guy that was kind of taking us through. Uh, so what was the real difference? And it led me to this question. Because I knew I was going to speak this Sunday. What do you believe about the reality and the spirit of Christmas? Does Jesus walk with you? What's the real story defining Christmas? And, and you know, we hear so much about fake news and fact checking and keeping promises and talking points. Today, when you watch something or hear something, you've got to decide, am I going to believe this or not? You have, Everything that comes before you, you've got to make a decision. Am I letting that in? Or am I rejecting it? I'm keeping it out. Uh, you've got to decide who's telling who, the real story. Who's telling you the truth. And then you've got to decide if you're going to believe what they're saying. And maybe you want to believe it so much, but it's not the truth. What do you do then? You see how easily we can be swayed and, and led by hearing the things we want to hear. Um, which leads me to this question. What is the hardest thing for you to believe about Jesus at Christmas? What is the hardest thing for you to believe about Jesus at Christmas? Is it Mary and Joseph? Late pregnancy? Travel to Bethlehem? Is it the appearance of a multitude of angels? Is it the direct lineage of King David? The virgin birth? I mean, who believes that, right? Or maybe your questions go beyond those about and wonder if this baby Jesus truly existed. Is he who he claims to be? Doesn't science say otherwise that you can't be born of a virgin? Uh, and if he's alive today, does he really care about me? Does he really want me to walk with him? Does he truly hate what I see as a, a simple minor little sin? Does he hate that? Does he call me to repent? I could go on. Can he truly forgive me of these things? 
Is he preparing a place for me in a perfect world where no more tears? What do you believe? What's the hardest thing for you to believe about Jesus at Christmas? It's only human to wonder if Jesus listens to our prayers or if he really loves us or how can we experience the fullness of life he seems to promise us? Um, Or maybe the idea that he chose us before time began. Or maybe this little baby nursing with Mary is also feeding the ravens and causing the sun, the earth to revolve around the sun at the same time. Uh, the, The Bible presents us things that are They're jaw-dropping. When we hear the modern philosophers and scientists talk, maybe the hardest thing to believe is that we are ever anything more than a meaningless array of blood and flesh and raw emotion and unattainable dreams. Limited to a temporary piece of time over the supposed eons since the Big Bang. Now, what could help us face and answer these questions? What do we need so that we will firmly believe truth and reject falsehood? What is the rock on which we must stand? Here is my belief. What we need is exactly what the scripture provides. What we need is exactly what the Bible provides speaks to us. I'm speaking to the whole of Scripture now. All the prophecies, the signs and wonders, the sermons, the stories, the genealogies, even the genealogies, the questions, the testimonies, the actions of people who were completely transformed by the power of God's Word. All of these things add up to provide exactly what we need today. And here's why. The Scripture... It may look like a printed book to you, but the message is alive. And with words of God's power that draw us to himself and builds faith within our heart to change it and to open our eyes to see God. One of my favorite Christmas verses is John 1, 1. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. You know, God uses this gift of Scripture. He uses this to give us faith every time we hear His Word. Think about His intention. This makes reading the Bible, it turns every day into Christmas. When when I open the Bible, God gives me a gift. Every time I open the Bible. Every day for me can be Christmas with God because... I can read what he wants to share with me. It's a gift from him. He clearly intended that his word bring forth life-giving faith every time we meditate on its truths. I mean, think about God's intentions in giving us this Bible was that when we read it, every time we read it, we have faith deposited in our heart. That's a gift. Every time we read it. How many gifts do you want from God? How often do you read His Word? 
God intends that his word capture the infections of our hearts. So he infused his word with the glory and the spiritual power to enter our hearts and grow precisely where he directs his word. This is Christmas. The gift that never stops giving. John 1.14 And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. Glory as the only one from the Father, the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. You know, when you believe in someone, you believe that what you've experienced about them reveals their true character. I mean, I believe in Julie. I understand who she is. I understand her character. And I believe these things about her. Right? But when you believe someone, see the difference between believing in someone and believing someone. When you believe someone, you believe that what they have communicated to you, the words that they have said, all of their promises, all of their their commitments are real. You believe them to be truth. You know, when Julie tells me something, I take it as truth. To the best of her ability to give me truth, I take it as that. You know. And we should come to God that way. Here's the test. Christmas says that Almighty God, who created the world out of nothing, came to earth supernaturally as a baby. That, that, oh, that's a pretty big thing to take in. He didn't come as a fully grown man. He came as a baby. God, man. God, man, the baby. Why should we believe that the all-powerful Son of God came to earth like this? And there's more questions you can ask. I mean, it's just full of questions. Why was Jesus born in a stable in a small town in a divided, enslaved nation? Why not in a royal palace in Rome or Shanghai or Delhi or New York or London? Why was Jesus born to a teenage, engaged, but not yet married, virgin mother? And not to a socially esteemed Queen or princess or movie star where he could have really gotten some traction with people. Why did Jesus submit to the means by which humans are born? Can you imagine the Son of God agreeing to become what do they call these? The very beginning, a zygote, then a fetus, and all these things. Why would he agree to undergo the <laughs> and then be subject to parents and and little brothers and little sisters and why was he greeted by worthless shepherds in the dead of night I mean why not by armies or priests or rulers or social media influencers why not get the word out why was he so tiny and so helpless and so dependent on sinners for life and security And at risk of starvation or injury or sickness or violence. I mean, Pat thought she was at risk when she landed in this airport. And why didn't he appear fully grown like Adam did? Think, okay, Adam, Adam must have appeared fully grown. But Jesus didn't. 
So if he appeared fully grown, he could have gone directly to the cross. He could have come on Good Friday, bam, done, three days. But no, he didn't avoid 33 years of submission and temptation and suffering and perfect obedience. In fact, we know that that was instrumental in him accomplishing what he's accomplished for us. There are reasons for all these. But some wonder why does Christmas exist at all? Uh, One of our favorite uh, pastor writers, Tim Keller, says, A God who was only holy would not have come down to us in Jesus Christ. He would have simply demanded that we pull ourselves together, that we be moral and holy enough to merit a relationship with him. And a deity that was the modern, all-accepting God of love that we've heard so much about would not have needed to come to earth either. This God of the imagination would have just overlooked sin and evil and embraced us. Neither the God of moralism nor the God of relativism would have bothered with anything like a Christmas. You see, Christmas is not simply about a birth. It's about a coming, isn't it? It's about a coming that accomplishes spectacular and eternal purposes in us. It's a coming that requires faith to see. Everything from God that we receive requires faith to know him. Is, he is the one who gives it. And faith requires a confident belief in what God has said. I mean, if you can't believe what God has said, then how do you believe in him? You, it doesn't compute. So tell me, what would you say and do if you wanted someone you love to truly believe you every time you spoke to them? What would you do? Not lie. You would not lie. You would never not lie. I mean, you would always not lie. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Would you laugh and tell them lies? No, you wouldn't do that. Would you just say what they wanted to hear? No. God tells the truth and nothing but the truth. So tell me, what makes God's truth so hard to believe? What makes it hard to believe? In Mark 11, uh, Jesus asked the scribes and he says, was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Answer me. He wanted an answer from them. And they discussed it privately among each other. And they say, if we say from heaven, he will say, why then you did not believe me? (laughs) Believing God is hard because he intends to change our deepest thoughts and desires. He's going to change our deepest thoughts and desires. Believing has real consequences, doesn't it? Because the Bible teaches, what the Bible teaches changes everything in us and for us. It explains our beginnings and our ends. It explains purposes and meanings for life. It explains sin and sacrifice. It explains joy and peace, hope, and today it explains love to us. So to call his people to faith and to prove his eternal love, God gave the ultimate gift. Jesus came to live perfectly and provide both the witness of the Father and the warnings of the Father. Jesus provides ample evidence of his power and his mighty works. John 10, if I'm not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. So Jesus puts it out there, don't believe me unless you see me doing the Father's works. But if I do them, 
Even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Jesus predicts things before they happened so that we could and would believe him. John 13, 19, he says, I am telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. If you're trying to convince someone that you're telling them the truth, you tell them before it happens. And then it happens, they say, he was telling me the truth. Right? Jesus gives words that if you do believe them, have the power to bestow eternal life. John 11, 25 and 26. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die." Yet shall he live, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? I mean, point blank. I'm telling you the truth. Do you believe it? Paul proclaims that forgiveness of sins is through Jesus alone, not the law. In Acts 13, let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that though this man, that through this man, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. I mean, Paul is saying the law of Moses doesn't free you from anything. But if you believe what this man says, you'll be freed, you'll be freed from everything. It goes on. Paul says that those who believe in Jesus' word will be filled in joy and peace. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. God gives examples of those who believe before, that had, of things that had never ever happened before. And here's an interesting case out of Luke 1. When Mary goes to visit her, her uh, cousin Elizabeth, her aunt Elizabeth, for, and, and Elizabeth says, For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my loom leaped for joy, and blessed is she who believed that that there would be fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. You know, it's this believing. It seems to me that Jesus is doing everything possible that we might believe him. It's certainly not hidden under a basket. It's not behind the rock wall. It's out here in front of us that we might believe him. In fact, Jesus links the giving of truth to the imperative that we believe truth. I mean, if... If I tell you truth, I'm kind of saying it's imperative that you believe this because this is true. He says, Jesus says, but because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Boy, he just drives the point home. There was another one. Peter confides that we do not need to see him in order to believe and, and rejoice. First Peter 1 Peter 1.8. Though you have not yet seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. And blessed are those who believe you've never seen. Jesus assures that those who believe, he assures those who believe and warns those who will not believe. You know, he's basically saying, if you, this is the truth. You got to believe it. But if you don't think it's truth and you disbelieve it, there's a warning that goes with that. There's a consequence with that. Mark 16, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. 
Now, see, that that truth statement, that bears a lot on our the way we live our life, doesn't it? I mean, that calls us to, to believe Him. And it shows us the result if we don't believe Him. And then, if, you know, if, if we really were existed without a, a God and just happened to evolve through billions of years, where does the concept of love come from? And, and, and suffering with joy come from? I mean, these are foreign entities. So Jesus speaks in an entirely new way, an unnatural way. He speaks to the way of love when he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. This is this promise. So, what's the hardest thing to believe at Christmas? God gives me more details. I mean, it seems to me that God has done everything. Everything that God has done has been to reveal who Jesus is to us. Think about it. Consider the details that God has revealed about the word becoming flesh. So many prophecies about the circumstances of his birth. They were they were recorded. They were spoken. They were recorded. They were preserved. And here, thousands of years later, they are available to us to read today. There, there are no prophecies of the birth of Muhammad. There's no, no there's, so there's no fulfillment of any prophecies of the birth of Muhammad. And I can just say every every religious leader of a false religion and tell you there's been no prophecies that that person be born. There's been no circumstances of where they've been born or when they be born or the, or the situation that they may be born. They were, their birth was not given as a sign of something else that God had promised to do. No. And it would not be a prophet or a priest or a wise man or a king or a scribe who says in Luke 137, nothing will be impossible with God. Who said that? Gabriel, the angel. We have an angel of God saying there's nothing impossible for God. Not a man. We have an angel who says that. That's recorded in Scripture so that we can read it and understand how wonderfully God has presented his case for us. That Simeon and Anna, whom Joseph and Mary met in the temple eight days after the birth of Jesus, Individually, they would offer prophetic insight and praise and thanksgiving to God for fulfilling his promises to them and to the people. <clears throat> There's more. The Magi. What's that all about? The Magi come from the east. Is it Persia? Babylon? Where is it? Don't know. They saw a glorious star of the new king of the Jews. How did they know that? Except that maybe Daniel, 500 years earlier, who was put in charge of the astrologers of the court, Nebuchadnezzar, taught them about the Jewish prophecies. And they were looking for 500 years for the star. And when they saw it, they rejoiced and they took gifts 
And the, each gift has some sort of prophetic um, aspect about it, about the life of Christ. And they went to go find this king of the Jews who fulfilled the prophecy that they had heard that had been passed down in this pagan land for 500 years. Now that's if it's Daniel. Perhaps it was Balaam who spoke about a star rising. And maybe that word had gotten to the court of the astrologers. Maybe they had studied every religion and they were searching the skies for any religion to speak to them. And suddenly here's this, what's called a star. And then this one, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That God who created the heavens and the earth simply by the power of his voice. I mean, he said, let there be light. There's light. He he spoke it. But he was compelled to enter our world as a, a world that he had made. He was compelled to enter a world he has made as a human baby to save us. He couldn't just say, be saved. Because he would have had to violate his own character if he said that. He had, he couldn't, just like he said, let the world exist, and it existed. I mean, everything you see just popped into place. He had to become a baby in order to save us. He could not speak forgiveness to free us from our sins unless he came to fulfill all the law and surrender his life to death on a cross after living a perfect life. What's more, God explains many more reasons we should believe him. He explains why Jesus would leave his glory in heaven and come to earth in the flesh. I mean, would you do that? (laughs) And each truth he gives calls us to believe him. Jesus came to fulfill God's plan and obtain all righteousness and keep every promise. In that priestly prayer of John 17, Jesus is praying to God the Father. He says, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. I did all of the work you gave me to do. And then Matthew 26, he says, all this has taken place that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. I mean, Jesus knew he was fulfilling scripture. He was fulfilling prophecy as he worked. Jesus came to serve and give his life and redeem his family. Matthew 20, even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life (coughs) as a ransom for many. And Galatians 4, see the Christmas story is everywhere. When the fullness of time had come, well, what was that? that was Christmas. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoptions as sons. Jesus came to search out and seek the lost and to put an end to the works of Satan. The reason the Son of God appeared, 1 John 3, 8 says, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. And Luke 19, 10, But the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. God is doing what he needs to do that this transfer of life to us comes by the means of faith and not by the means of works. It's imperative for us then to believe what he says. Jesus came to give every blessing he owned in exchange for all of our poverty didn't he? 2 Corinthians 8. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you by his poverty 
might become rich. Sometimes we think of Jesus as a loving baby in the manger. But this is only possible when that baby Jesus grows to be the God-man who gave up everything that belonged to him. For us, he gave up his rights to live like God, his right to act like God, his right to look like God, his right to be treated like God. He gave these things, these gifts, to take on our sin and shame and poverty. By the power of his spirit, Jesus comes to us with the same way every time we read and meditate and cling to his words. Every time. You want Christmas today? Read what the Bible says about Jesus. He'll come to you. He'll come to you. You want Christmas on December the 30th? Read your Bible that day. He will come to you. But he calls upon you to believe him. To trust him. Every time we read and think and meditate and believe his words, Jesus comes again to us. The Bible is exactly what we need to face the hardest thing it is to believe. So, what is the hardest thing for you to believe about Christmas? Anybody? It's not hard to believe. It's hard to go from head knowledge of it to heart knowledge mm. of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yes. To get it down in our heart so get that it... Activates it activates the yeah. lives and Yeah. Well, it's like the man said, you know, Lord, I believe. Help thou mom, I believe. Yeah. And it goes from just the believing up here to the knowing mm-hmm. here. I think that's a well some of you have walked with Jesus a long time yeah. and you're still facing oh sure this is this is part of humanity mm-hmm. there's a scripture in, in Psalms in the 90th Psalm one verse it says so teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom mm-hmm. and wisdom is believing the truth about what he says yeah, yeah. 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 For me, the hardest is not believing the event of Christ. It's believing that he did it for a rapture like you. Yeah. Individual. Yeah. Yeah. I think it comes back to what Pat shared earlier. Putting your hand in the hand of Jesus and walking with Him, um, it that is it, you're again you're going from head knowledge to experiential. You know, yeah. To walk with Him, yeah. it's a process. So even to initially believe, um, you're you, you know you're taking a leap of faith. But then as we walk with Jesus, you know He He shows Him He shows us who He really we, is. We we get what we. What we call proof. We get, yeah, yes. we get proof. We the proof experience. of experience. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
And experience is a good teacher. The problem is that our hearts and minds are like a sieve. They, don't they have a half-life, don't they? <laughs> they don't hold it very long. It seeps through. And that's why we have to keep filling it day after day because we leak. We leak badly. don't hold it very long, very well. And we get wobbly when circumstances, when the wind comes up and the wind storms blow and things don't go the way we want and we our plane is late and delayed and... But God provides this couple to walk with us. What's the hardest thing to believe at Christmas? There's Christmas every day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, I, I just have to wonder if the thing that's the hardest to believe is the exact place where God intends to do a transforming work in my life if I were to believe. You know, this one rock I keep hitting against, if I could believe and push through that rock, that opens up this whole new aspect of life where God can do His transforming work in me. That He's not doing because I don't believe at this point. So how about you? Rather than thinking, well, where where do you want to do this next work in my life? Think about, is there a place where maybe you don't believe him? Or you question him? And then the other thing, remember that um, any day you open the scriptures... And you let the word of God fill your heart and mind. It can be Christmas Day. As God gives again. This precious gift of faith. Worth more than gold. Worth more than any check you would receive. This gift of faith. Any other confessions of what's hard to believe at Christmas? Is it the, the peace candle? The joy candle? The hope candle? The love candle? God is so good to us. And if you ever wonder about the example of Christ, just know that He came, He gave up his reputation in heaven. He gave he gave aside all of his he laid aside all of his rightful glory, all of his privilege, all of his exaltation. He allowed his own divine divine exalted position to be subject to human hostility by evil men. He he subjected himself to criticism and denial. Just like the people in the hospital rooms who said, nope, don't want anything to do with you. Jesus faces that from the people that he loves. So it's an amazing thing that he doesn't just come as a man. He comes as a slave, as a servant. He came as a rescuer for each of us. My heart is full just thinking about these things. And I pray that your heart will be full too as you consider Uh, I don't have the right answer for you and tell you, oh, this is what you don't believe. 
No, no, no. You're going to have to weigh it out and think, Lord, what is the hardest thing for me to believe about you? All I'm suggesting is that that point is truth is probably where God wants to do the next major piece of work in your life. So we have a young lady that's going to the DTS in a week and a half. And she asked me, she says, now next Sunday, we're meeting on the 29th it's at my house, and can y'all pray for me? I said, yes, that's, we, we would, we, our pleasure is to pray for you. For this exact reason but for anybody everybody else it also goes for you as well so let's pray together now for a moment and ask God to give us strength unless anybody else wants to share their hardest thing to believe about Christmas Jesus at Christmas let's pray Lord, it is a sentimental time of the year, season, where people are, in the general, a bit friendlier, a bit more generous, a bit more willing to uh, be vulnerable and share what's in their, their heart. Lord, I pray for those men and women that we visited in the hospital. Lord, that they might open their hearts to you. But Lord, I also pray for the ones who rejected us and turned us away, that they also might open their hearts to you. Lord, I pray for those at that party that Veronica held yesterday. All of the helpers and all of the, 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 the children who came and the parents who came. Lord, that they might receive the gift of Jesus as well as the gift of a toy or a smile or cookies and punch. Lord, for the people that Pat prayed with in in Brazil. Lord, the gifts of God are distributed. The faith of God comes through the hearing of His Word all over this world. Lord, for the YWAM base there at Myrtle Beach where Carol serves. We pray, Father, that people would receive the gift of God every time they open the Word. Lord, they walk with You, Jesus. And Lord, for each of us, where we find... We're probably not prone to confess it. And we might sterilize it a little bit for public hearing. But Lord, you you know our heart and you know where that place is. And it may be not important that we find it. Lord, it may be just important that we believe you. Every time we hear your word. Every time we hear your promise. That our, our response becomes one of heartfelt belief and trust in you. Because, Lord, we want to know you and not just know you academically or intellectually. We want to know you and experience walking with you. We want to trust you, Lord. When things don't go our way, we can trust you and we can rejoice. We can have peace and joy in the midst of that. Because we know, Lord, that you have your best for us and you're working it out every day. Lord, help us to believe you this Christmas. When you read the story of 
Mary and Joseph in Bethlehem. We read the story about the Magi or, or the angels singing or the prophecies or the genealogies, Lord. And we read about being of the lineage of David. And your promises to David to never lack someone to sit on the throne. And we acknowledge that Jesus is on the throne. And may he be on the throne of our hearts. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God, that the word became flesh and came to save us. We pray this in Jesus' name.